listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it is Thursday the 22nd of April 2021. This is your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap. I'm Ricardo Gonsalves. Well, later, why the share market is more likely to pull back instead of reach a record high... But first, to some issues around climate change. And the banking regulator today released a draft guide calling on banks, insurers and supergroups to place more emphasis on the financial risks associated with climate change. And also we heard from the Carbon Market Institute saying membership to the industry body, which helps businesses transition to net zero emissions, has grown by 36% this financial year. So with the increasing focus on climate change, What are companies doing to meet the growing shareholder and investor concerns? I spoke earlier with Evan Lucas from Invest Smart. What has been seen over not just the last three to five years, but probably over the last 10 years is the rise of particularly, you know, what we call um, ESG funds. So environmental, social and government funds. Um, They are funds that actually put metrics around companies about how they govern themselves, what their social responsibility is, but also their environmental. What's really started to take off in those funds side is that the environmental side is becoming one of the biggest corporate and financial fund growth areas in the market. So a lot of the big end of town is starting to wake up to this because it's not just you know, a small micro fund with, you know, a certain amount of money that possibly doesn't affect their, their shareholdings. You're talking about pension funds running this as well. So in Australia and overseas, those big pension funds that actually matter are starting to put pressure on the corporates. They now know that they cannot continue with their current operations, their current you know, ways they go about business if it is so heavily involved in fossil fuels or if it's so heavily involved in environmental impacting ways. And, and that's sort of the way it's, it's even more simplistic if you roll it back, you know, scrolling and rolling back the amount of air travel that you had or, you know, the amount of printing, etc., is actually quite obviously environmentally unfriendly. So it's not just mining. It's not just energy companies that are the ones that you can really focus out here it's across the board uh, are having to change their ways. And the rating agencies like the Climate Board, for instance, the rating agencies go through all that. You know, how much are you spending on intensive activities that shouldn't necessarily be there? So it's going probably from the fund and the flow of funds, particularly from investors and active investors, to even just your simple investors are saying, no, 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 we, we don't want companies to be doing those kinds of activities and they need to be more not just environmentally friendly, because if you're environmentally friendly, you're being socially responsible. All of that is feeding into it. So it's a, it's only going to get bigger. And there are, at the moment, it is probably the fastest growing area of funds management is, is ESG, so environmental, social and governments. From a company perspective, though, is action on climate change too difficult? And as an example, in some way, AGL said a few weeks ago it would split its business so that one side looks at coal-fired power plants, right? And then the other, its retail division, which would turn into a zero-carbon electricity supplier. But its CEO today abruptly resigned, saying he mm-hmm. couldn't commit to the longer term for it. Yeah, putting the personal reasons behind the CEO movement, AGL is a tricky business. It is a very highly regulated industry. 
AGL has known that this change has been coming for decades. Uh, and if you go back, and I remember sitting in an AGL presentation in about 2009 and again in 2011, they were already planning for this. They were putting up wind farms in places like the ACT. They were putting up wind farms in Victoria. They knew about it. Their catch at the time, and this is what they're still arguing, is the cost to efficiency ratio. So what you need to point out is that the technology as of this moment is there, it's very good, but in terms of its cost, it's still more expensive. But what we know over the last decade is that the cost of that technology is coming down like a rate of knots. And in the next you know, three to five to 10 to 20 years, those renewable energies now, it's not necessarily just solar or wind. You know, you are talking about now what they're calling green hydrogen. You are talking about other sort of forms of, of that kind of energy. It will actually overtake. It will become more efficient. It will become cost effective. AGL is caught in that middle at the moment, and this is that company question, about having to deal with the higher costs right here and now of renewable energies or those new safer energies with also subsidizing that with the cheaper energy, which is still, unfortunately, a fossil fuel. But as I said, it will flip. And the example I always use when that question comes, Shell is the biggest example of here. Shell believed, and they are openly public about it, the flip between globally um, energy being supplied by things like petroleum products was going to happen in about 2030. They originally forecast that in 2010 at 2050. They actually, because of COVID last year, have bought that forward five years and believe at 2025, the world will flip, that the main core energy source will no longer be petroleum products. It will actually move into renewables. So one of, if not the largest you know, energy provider on the planet in Royal Dutch Shell says that, that has to make you wake up to the fact that companies, it's not about cost or not, it's about survival and companies always survive. And they know they have to survive and therefore change their business model to get ahead. Evan Lucas there from Invest Smart and the Australian share market rose today. The S&P ASX 200 up by 0.8% to 7,555. Let's do that again, 7,055. So that's 7,055 up 0.8%. Otherwise, that would have been a record. But we are about 1.5% away from the record of 7,162. For more on the day's market action, I spoke earlier again with market with Evan Lucas. Evan, a good day for the market. Why? Yeah, it is a good way. I think you've got to put it down to the fact that normally we don't ever see three consecutive days of big, big losses, and we probably need to look at the US for that. So I need to sort of filter into that to that view that, yes, it's a good day today. We have, however, you know, failed again to try and get to, in the ASX 200, that is, that, that sort of record all-time high that we saw in February last year. There is all that question that's coming about, you know, one day doesn't make a market, which is true, nor does three days. Uh, what drives us further forward, what, what actually gets us to the, to the record all-time high and pushes it through. It will be what is currently going on. Global stimulus is still there. We know that central banks are still there. You know, Most central governments, particularly places that probably matter, the US and, and also Europe, are likely to continue to drive ahead. But in saying that, we, we've probably now started to get to a point where pricing in all of this has probably got to a point where we're asking is it going to continue to drive us ahead? And I think even though we're a positive day today, there is signs that momentum is finally slowing down. So are we likely to see a pullback rather than a new record? I Probably. And I think that's what we've been sort of been waiting for anyway. I mean, the bond market over the last couple of months has been telling us that get ready equities are, are, are outperforming when they shouldn't be. What, what I also probably need to put into a sort of perspective there is before going further, 
again, looking at the US market, because it's the best barometer for this, is that one of the big statements someone like Warren Buffett loves to say is if you look at the S&P 500 all the way back to 1900, so 121 years or you know, 20 and a half years that we've had, the, the S&P 500 averages one correction a year. So seeing a pullback would not be actually out of the norm. So a 10% or more movement is a correction. So seeing 5%, 7%, 10%, if we are to start it now, is, is probably not unforeseen in terms of what we know by history. I'd also point out everybody's talking about what we call the volatility index and, and the VIX index itself is moving up, yes, but at the it's actually just one point above the historical 10-year average. So that's the other thing that needs to be taken with what's going on at the moment is that Remember last year, volatility was huge. We saw days of 1% up, 4% down, all sorts of kinds of movements. We were actually back into what feels to me anyway, like fairly standard market movements. So yes, I think a pullback is probably likely considering that the US market is actually at record all-time highs. Europe has had a very good quarter. It's actually up over 10.5%. Unfortunately, Australia is lagging a little bit. And there probably means that we, we are due for a bit of money off the table, as you know, the market word is, and, and that's not a bad thing in, in the current cycle. So how do you play the market in this environment? Yeah, look, in terms of playing and then using that word to some extent, is I, I still believe at the moment that the, the longer-term effect will be to the upside. So I, I think you need to look at it from the point of view that if there is a, a pullback in the market like I probably expect it to be, it's actually probably an advantageous thing. I mean, most people have started to actually work out over the last nine months that actually getting into the market has been advantageous, that being out of the market is actually worse. So if there was a pullback, your average price comes with it. So it's more about adding to your positions rather than possibly, you know, moving in and out. Moving in and out, will, you know, historically shows you that it actually is probably one of the worst things you can do. Um, because you miss out on market movements to the upside, trying to get away from markets to the downside. Averaging your your price out, getting that smoother level price, compounding will come into effect. You will still get dividends from markets, whether it's bond markets, whether it's uh, equity markets, whether it's you know listed property, whatever asset it is, they'll still pay you dividends. And that capital growth put together will, will always outperform being out of it. So it's it's more about looking through now and looking to two years, five years, seven, 10 plus years, and using a pullback as a way of getting a better price and averaging your price to give you that compounding effect that we know time gives you. Evan Lucas there from InvestSmart. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at BusinessRicardo. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.